Right, the first thing I want to do before I start is to play you a song. I couldn't let the series that we're going through at the moment come to an end without this song. Many of you will know this, so uh, feel free to join in when you get it. Especially for Gary. Just a friendly wave each morning Helps to make a better day Neighbours Need to get to know each other Next door is only A footstep away Neighbours Everybody needs with a little understanding You can find the perfect blend Neighbors should be there for one another That's when good neighbors become good friends I think that's enough for that well, I think that's the first at KCC History, singing uh, the theme song to a soap opera. But there we go. OK, so we uh, have been working through this series on Love Your Neighbour over the last five weeks and looking at different contexts in which we can do that. You know, this is one of the greatest calls that we have as Christians, to love God and to love our neighbours. And uh, so Anil kicked off the series several weeks ago, looking at loving our neighbour in the church. Then Darren looking at the, our neighbours in the workplace. David picked it up looking at our neighbours in our family. And then Sam last week, how we can love our neighbour on social media. And so today, I'm kind of bringing it around and looking at how we love our neighbour on our streets, how we can do that with those who live around us. And... Actually, although it is a soap opera and some may enjoy watching it, some may not, the lyrics of that song are quite incredible because really that is what we want to be seeing happening in our streets. And that's coming from a secular world saying this is what we need. Good neighbours, everybody needs good neighbours. Just a wave each morning helps to make a better day, get to know each other, have understanding, be there for one another and then through that, you can actually become good friends. Let me read you an extra, uh, from an extract I came across a few months ago in the Christianity magazine called Love Thy Neighbour. It says, eight out of ten people in the UK, 83%, would be unable to identify all of their neighbours in a police lineup. Hopefully they wouldn't need to anyway. According to a recent study by the Eden Project Communities, the poll of more than 4,000 UK adults also revealed that 10% of Londoners can't identify a single one of their neighbours. Another survey by one poll found that just 12% of respondents felt strongly connected to their community. Neighbours are no longer the first port of call when we find ourselves short of the proverbial cup of sugar. 
or looking for the lowdown on local information. Convenience stores are, as their title suggests, conveniently placed. Other goods and services are available at the click of a button or a short drive away. Local information is readily available on smartphones. Another issue is busyness. And while the rise in time uh, spent commuting most significantly impacts family life and personal well-being, it further effect, a further effect is the way it squeezes out time and motivation to engage with the local community. The loneliness epidemic, understood to be affecting 9 million people across all age groups, has got so severe the government have now appointed a minister for loneliness. Christians are rightly taught to not think too literally about Jesus' use of neighbour. It's the homeless person, our work colleague, the textile factory worker in Asia. But has this meant overlooking the fact that it still includes those next to us? Today, many of us are more familiar with the faces of those we connect with online than those who live a few feet from our front doors. Popping around to number 67 with homemade cookies or hosting an open house are now seen as countercultural in parts of the UK, the exception rather than the, than the norm. One poll's finding revealed that the vast majority of people, 69%, crave a sense of community, believing it to make their neighbourhood friendlier, increase property values, reduce crime, and help neighbours feel safer. As Christians, is there more we can do to take the initiative and help meet this longing? In doing so, can we be part of changing the culture of our neighbourhoods? I would say most definitely, most definitely. And that's what I want us to focus on for the next few minutes that we have together, looking at what it means to love our neighbour in our streets. And I want to do that by um, looking at the biblical view on neighbours, get God's perspective, not just a soap opera's perspective, and then unpack some practical ideas of how we can do that. And then I want to finish by inviting Dave and Anja, because to me, when I think of people in our church who do this incredibly well, they do it. And so I want us to hear from them and get some ideas and hopefully whet your appetite. You can go and get, grab more ideas off them later. You know, we're all, we're all learning in different ways. We all, God's called us to be good at different things and we can learn from one another. I'm definitely no expert in this. I've tried, I've stepped out and I'm going to share some stories with you over the next few minutes of things, mainly actually from one family that we particularly invested in over time. Um, but it's something that we can all do. We can all take steps to love our neighbours. So what does the Bible say? Neighbours are talked about a lot in the Bible. Jesus' teaching is clear when he called us to love God and love people. Mark 12, 28 to 31 says this. I think I've got some of the verses. Yeah, there we go. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Notice that Jesus had given them and noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And so in saying that, he was summing up the first four of the Ten Commandments. Then he said, the second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So Jesus is really clear. He's saying, love God and love people. Love your neighbour as yourself. And while he clearly shows that your neighbour isn't just the people in your immediate vicinity, those living next door to you and across the road from you, it certainly includes those. 
we get a variety of pointers about how we can, what we should be doing when we relate to our neighbours throughout Scripture. In fact, the last two of the Ten Commandments specifically mention neighbour. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour, it says in Exodus 20, 16. We shouldn't lie against them. We shouldn't, we shouldn't bear false witness against them. But also we shouldn't covet our neighbour's house. You shall not cover your neighbour's wife or your, uh, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbour. We shouldn't live in jealous attitude towards our neighbours. You know, that place for keeping up with the Joneses, that our place of kind of keeping up with the people down our street, that shouldn't be anything in our, our thinking. Proverbs has some helpful suggestions too. Proverbs 3, 27 to 30 says this, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbour, Come back tomorrow, I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbour who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. And then a couple of other verses around neighbours in Proverbs. Proverbs 25, 17. Seldom set foot in your neighbour's house. Too much of you and they will hate you. And 27, 14. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbour early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Too true. So we're called to love our neighbours. It's a biblical commandment. It's a biblical explanation, expectation. God wants us to love those around us. It's a calling for us as a church, isn't it? You know, we've got it on these banners. We keep referring to them because this is what we're about. We want to be their hope. We want to be light and hope. We are called to be ministers of hope, carriers of hope, containers of hope. Those around us, even those on our very doorsteps, next to us, above us in our flats, wherever, so many of them are living lives which are hopeless, full of despair. We have the opportunity to bring something of the joy that we know of. You know, this community is, is special. It's, it's amazing to be part of a community like this. But it's not, we're not designed to keep it all shut up. It should overflow. It should go out from us. The, the great things we experience, we want others to be part of that too. To be the salt that Gary was talking about earlier. To be the light in those situations. We want these culture traits that we're about over that side. We want them to be who we are, that they bubble up and flow out to, to the person up number 25 or the person in the flat below us. We want them to experience what it is to encounter people of integrity and courage and, and forgiving nature and acceptance, generosity and honour. We can change the atmosphere down our streets from the way we interact with, the, with people around us. You know, when we do, when we do these things, I believe they're like powerful keys to unlock situations. Powerful keys. And I think people respond to it as well. When they, when they encounter some of this stuff, when they encounter some of these traits, they can't help but notice. You know, this, this, uh, these neighbours of ours that we've, we've, we have become good friends with now, they... they they, they saw something in the way that Liz and I, and in fact Joshua and Kessie were as well as a family, some of these traits. And when they were going through a difficult time, they asked us, they had to kind of sort some things out very quickly one afternoon and, and 
just turn up on doorstep and say, can you look after the kids for us? We've got some things we need to sort out. And I believe they did that because they'd come to know that we were trustworthy. In that moment of need, they could come and lean on us. So how do we go about practically loving our neighbours? I just want to give you a few practical tips uh, and then we'll get Dave and Ange up to hear how they've been doing it. So for me, I found the acronym BLESS really helpful in this. And I mentioned it before in other contexts, but I want to use that and and explore it in terms of how we can do that to love our neighbours. So first and foremost, B is for begin with prayer. I know that's a bit of a cheat on an acronym really, isn't it? Because the thrust is prayer. But begin with prayer. It might be a cheat in the acronym, but it's certainly not a cheat in reality. It's so important that we pray and pray and pray. It's a powerful weapon. That's what scripture says about prayer. When we pray, we are wielding something powerful that changes things in the unseen that we cannot even begin to grasp. You know, we can do that by praying down our streets. We can go for prayer walks. You can pray up and down your street. You can pray around your block of flats. And we unleash the kingdom. We say, God, let your kingdom come. That's what Jesus said, isn't he? When he taught the Lord's Prayer, he said, let your kingdom come. We can say, let your kingdom come down Green Lanes. Let your kingdom come down uh, Frenchhorn Lane. Let your kingdom come down Cunningham Avenue. Let your kingdom come wherever it is. You can declare that. You can pray it. You can pray for particular. God, let your presence come on number 22. Let your, let your love and hope come to number 33. We can do that. We did it last year as a church. We covered the whole of this town in prayer. But the idea wasn't that it would be a one-off and we never need to do it again. We can keep praying. You, know, you could make it a weekly thing just to walk the length of your road and pray God's goodness on it. But you can pray for your neighbours as well. You can, you can pray blessings over those that you know. You know, as you get to know one another, you can pray into what they're going through, some of their, uh, their struggles and their joys. You can be really specific, but that obviously requires you doing the next step of the bless, which is listening to know what it is that they're going through. Get to know them so you can pray into particular situations. God, we pray for that, that, that man across the road who's struggling, he's, he's, he's living with with bereavement right now, will you come and meet him in his sense of loss? And if we get really courageous, we can actually pray with them too. We can pray with our neighbours. You know, I had the great privilege a few years ago. I was a little bit sneaky. So this neighbour of ours, he, he was having a shoulder operation and he had to be there at seven o'clock one Monday morning. And I said, I'll take you. And he said, no, you can't, you can't. I said, no, that's absolutely fine. It's not a problem. Uh, and I was thinking, I'd love to pray with him. And uh, so there he was in the car. And I said, you, you know, you know, I'm a Christian. And I believe that God answers prayer. Would, would you be happy for me to pray for you? He's quite nervous about going into the operation. And I was praying that we'd all go, well, and uh, I thought, well, he can't really do much because he's in my car. He can't go anywhere. So um, that's, that's kind of a sneaky way. But we can do it. You know, we can, we can grab hold of these opportunities and take them. And so I was able to very quickly, without using lots of jargon and making it really heavy, just pray God's blessing on him as he went into this operation. He'd have peace and it would go well. And it did and he's, he's all recovered now, which is great. So we can begin with prayer. Secondly, we can listen. We can listen. It's so important. You know, prayer is powerful, but listening also is so, so powerful to people. You know, when we listen and take time 
to let people talk to us, we communicate, you matter. And for some of our neighbours, that might be what they really need. They might not need anything else right now. They might just need to know they matter, that someone notices them. You know, loneliness, as we, we heard in that article, is rife. And we're called to build and tackle that, to face up. We don't want anything happening in this, our community where people are lonely. We want to draw them into the community that we all enjoy. So pausing and listening. You know, maybe, maybe you spot someone when you're out for a walk. You're chatting on the drive. You're listening. Or you, or you realise someone's not been out for a while. You just pop around and say, you're doing okay. Listening. Find out about what they dream, what their desires are, what their hopes are, and also what their struggles are. And as Sam encouraged us last week, this idea of double listening. You know, listening to what, what your neighbour's saying in the moment, but also what's God saying? Can you bring something? You know, maybe, maybe he'll drop a word of knowledge into your head while you're chatting to them that will bring release, bring freedom. Do you know that words of knowledge in the prophetic aren't just for a Sunday morning? They're not even just for community groups. They're actually for bringing kingdom wherever we are. You know, Liz and I have, have spent literally hours listening to some of our neighbours in a whole variety of contexts. You know, we've had them over for meals. We've been, they've invited us for meals. We've, we've been to coffee shops. We've been to pubs. We've been on walks. We've listened and listened and listened. And some people love to talk, don't they? But it's great. God said to me several years ago, you know, I see myself as, as your pastor and that is part of my role, absolutely huge part of my role. But also... I can pastor those who don't even know him yet by listening and being available. I had this great conversation in one coffee shop with, with this neighbour and uh, we were getting quite deep and he was talking about how he was really struggling um, because someone had really hurt him and he was struggling with what to do and he said, um, yeah, do, do you ever kind of have an experience with dealing with forgiveness? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of that, yeah. Comes up occasionally in my line of work. But it's great, it's just this opportunity we get from being available to listen. Often just on the drive, you know, you're just kind of coming in from work or something, or a nice day, washing cars, not tend to be us, but our neighbours celebrate when we wash our car. That's a whole other story. <laughs> so we can listen. Thirdly, we can eat together. We can eat together. There's, there's power in meals, isn't there? I mean, we, we love food, yes, but there's something about building community. It could be a full-on meal. You could invite them round if you're feeling up for that. Or maybe it's something kind of less daunting if that's something you think, oh, I couldn't possibly do. Just coffee and cake. Or go out somewhere together. Go to a coffee shop. Go to a pub. But the idea is just having that bit longer to get to know one another. Enjoy being together. You, know, you might actually find some friends down your road, as we've done. You know, we've ended up going on holiday with some of our neighbours. We've done parenting courses with them. Just looking for that opportunity for going that little bit deeper. Occasionally we've done open, an open house. We've just said, look, we're gonna be, the house is going to be open for drinks and nibbles between a few hours. Here you can pop in. Rose is really good at doing that. Yeah, if you want ideas of how to do it, speak to Rose. She's so good at doing that. Fourthly, in this bless, 
So begin with prayer, listen, eat together, serve, S, serve. Look for opportunities. How can you serve your neighbours? What needs do they have? How can you help? It could be meals, it could be babysitting, you know, maybe visiting them if you know they're not well. Or it could simply be a card to encourage them. You know, you could just write them a card, pop it through their letterbox. Or if you know they've gone through a difficult time, if they've had a bereavement, you could drop in a card thinking of you, praying for you. I'm here if you want to talk. Or maybe if you, if you take time and you get to know when their birthdays are, you could do birthday cards. Things like that. There's just ways of serving. Let me read you another, uh, a little bit from this article. Looking at just serving neighbours. So it talks about... Um, this guy called Rich. On hearing that a neighbour was in hospital, Rich made a meal for her husband and daughter. Two days later, he popped round with another meal. With tears in his eyes, the husband, who has since visited church, told Rich, nobody has ever been that kind to me before. It's two meals. It's two meals. This is the sense of loneliness and hopelessness that is, we're around all the time. What a difference we can make. This guy just did two meals. When a lady died from cancer, Rich and another neighbour raised £180 in a collection for her husband and children to go out for a meal. They were blown away by that. He continues, all these opportunities for kindness are like keys that open that, the door of other people's hearts. Because they don't see it as, a, as religion anymore. They see it as people caring and they are quite open then to ask, why do you do that? Which is exactly what Gary was saying earlier, wasn't it? Then you were able to share the gospel of what God has done for us. There is a harvest field right on our doorsteps with opportunities to ease loneliness, offer prayers, exchange favours, organise gatherings, form friendships and provide vital help. And in all of these things and more, people get to hear about Jesus. The more we break into this ground, the more we will see just how fertile it is for beautiful and unexpected things to emerge. Let's see where being good neighbours will take us. Let's grab these opportunities to serve. We can use the pass on the kindness tokens. But beware, you might find when you do, your neighbours are actually better at passing on the kindness than you were originally. That was certainly my case. I gave one of my, I was talking to my neighbour about the tokens and he thought it was such a good idea. I gave him a load of them. And a few weeks later, I said, how are you getting on with those? He said, oh, they've all gone. I've used them up. But, you know, you can also invite them to serve you. You can also invite them to serve you. It's great to serve them, but also there's something in building that relationship when you show a vulnerability and say, actually, I need help with this. And we've got wonderful, wonderful flock of pigeons who have moved into our road this year. And they are frustrating many, many people down our road. We've now put pigeon spikes up above our bay window. But I'm not particularly good at doing DIY. My next-door neighbour knows this. He also wants to put pigeon spikes, so we teamed up. He did the climbing up the ladder and the, all the hard work, and I stood at the bottom making sure the ladder didn't move. <laughs> He certainly put more into that arrangement than I did. But it was, you know, we were serving one another. There was a need there. 
the opportunities to serve are many and varied. From really simple, easy things like spotting a neighbour has left their, their lights on their van and going over to tell them so the battery doesn't run down. To more intense things when one of our neighbours got knocked down by another one of our neighbours and Liz had to sit with him until the ambulance arrived. There's opportunities everywhere to serve. Finally, the final S is to share the good news. You know, we're called to do all these things. Definitely, they're all really, really important to begin with prayer, to listen, to eat together, to serve. But also, we need to be ready when the question comes, why are you doing this? You're different. Because they will come. And we need to be ready to share, well, actually, I'm passing on the love that I know. I know that I have been loved and forgiven by God the Father, and I want you to know that too. We need to be ready, always prepared, as it says in 1 Peter 3.15, always prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have and to do it with gentleness and respect. Be ready to share your faith. Talk about what God's doing in a real way. You can say, look, this was going on at church on Sunday. And invite them to church. Invite them along, be ready to church services, to special events, to things like the barn dance. Because actually people want to come. We have something incredible. I think too often we think, oh, people aren't going to know. But actually, people do want to know. Yes, there will, be a, there will be people who say, no, thank you very much. But there will be people who want to know. And they won't hear unless we tell them. So let's seek to bless our neighbours to take every opportunity. I'm going to invite Dave and Ange up now to share some of the things they, they do. Let's welcome them. Good morning again. Um, right, I just want to say at the start, we're not experts. We're just us. And that's important because I want to say to you one thing that is really, really important. You can't fake it. You cannot fake it. So if you don't feel it's really you and it's not natural to you, you want to start with prayer and ask for God by the Holy Spirit to give you that love and so that it wells up from inside. Mm. That to us has got to be the base starting point. We live in a world of fakers. Yeah. Let's be real in our neighbourliness. Mm. So I have to say because of that, it started as soon as we got married, because I think God put in us a heart for hospitality and just a general heart for other people. Mm. So our first housewarming party was uh, involved straw bales and old curtains because we had virtually no furniture, which I think is an important precedent because often the world will tell you you have to get everything first, then you do stuff. Mm. No, you start where you are with what you have. And if it's straw bales and old curtains, so be it. But actually, people loved it. They were so pleased that we'd opened the home, and they just loved the informality and the mess of straw bales. It yeah. took ages to clear it up yeah. afterwards, but it was great fun. The other thing that was important is that we invited across the spectrum. Uh, I was a, a farm worker, but we invited the farm workers, but we also invited Lady Taylor, the architects two doors up, because it was a quite a wealthy village that had a farm next to it, you know? Uh, and it's so important to spread the invite, not be to particular groups or to particular classes or whatever. And 
one of the big things we did early on was we got on the village hall management committee, which again, farm workers weren't supposed to do. But of course, it got us in the village, got us mixing, got us organising things, and uh, uh, just generally involved meeting people. Uh, I also helped, was involved in helping re resurrect the cricket club, particularly Apposite on World Cup final day. Mm. Um, and again, you know, borrowing farm equipment to roll the field and, and things like that, it just got you practically involved. One of the things that we have done regularly is to host a drinks party for neighbours most Christmases or early in the new year. And that has been very successful. I have to say we have made a positive decision sometimes not to do it in the hope that others will do it. Yeah. Often we're disappointed, but I think also import, it's important that it's not just us doing stuff, yes. but we model it, but then we create opportunity for others. Mm. Right, over to my darling wife. I'm a bit like Hiromi today. A bit Hiromi, I'm a bit emotional today, but I'm gonna overcome it because I wanna get this message across. I love people, I love God, family, friends and faith are my three F's. And I love my neighbours in my road and round the corner and other parts. And one of the best things I learned in my life from an early age is love, is for sharing. my tea towel given to me when I was married by a friend. It says, love is for sharing. That has been on our wall a lot. It's now got holes in. Yesterday, somebody found it in my drawer and washed up with it, and I've washed it and brought it along this morning because I love this tea towel. We have things we have things to share. God has given us so many different things. And one of the things he's given us is that he's told me that everything he's given us is not ours. Everything in my house, everything I own, my car, my washing machine is his. And that is releasing. It isn't mine, it's his. So love is for sharing. We are custodians of what he has given us. One day we found one of the neighbors had been made redundant. Here, we've got two cars, we don't need them. Just give his car. He had it for several months and he was so grateful trying to find work in our car. Just simple things like that. As you know, many of you have been along to our coffee mornings, bring and buy stalls, raising funds for Alzheimer's, Open Door, Mexico, etc., etc. Probably about 40 coffee mornings I've counted up over the years we've done. Always inviting neighbours. I go up and down the road and tell them always about it. Some come, some don't. Fantastic. Neighbours notice how we live. We regularly have put up people in our house. We've had several lodgers 
from all different backgrounds. In fact, I'm looking at some of the lodgers here today. I'm waving to them. Putting people up in your home is a privilege. It's a joy. So our home is also God's. Just bring them in and love them. Being inclusive, inviting all the neighbours, not just those you like or those that get on with you. You, you just try and get on with everyone, however hard it is. Some neighbours don't want to know you, but you still show love and kindness to them. Trying to be caring, offering help, welcoming new neighbours. Every new neighbour that's moved in my area, I've been round there and say, hi, I'm Ange, do you need anything? Do you want a cup of tea? Do you want to come round? Do you want to help you unpack? Often they don't, but sometimes they ask, where's the nearest doctor? Or you can give information to help them settle in. And one of the most precious moments was when a neighbour, so sadly though, knocked at our door, a neighbour of 30 years, I have been witnessing, Dave and I have been witnessing too, she knocked at the door and said, I've got nowhere to stay tonight, lives five doors from me. She had a terrible time with her family and it wasn't safe for her to stay in her house. So she moved in for three nights. That I find that a privilege. So put her up, and I got told of the gospel when we prayed together, and four weeks later she died. Um, finding out what your neighbours do, taking an interest in what they do, even if it's something you don't like, like boxing or wrestling or something, you say, Oh, that's interesting. Could you show me? And and, 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 and do you know what? They love talking about it. And some of these events I've been along to and, and involved myself with them because they've invited me. So be flexible and go and do those things. Take an interest in others. Over to my dear husband. So one of the things I do, it's a real hardship, is we have a, 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 a gate crashed it because I wasn't initially invited, but they have a mon monthly men's drinks evening. It's really hard work. Um, but, you know, I have to put up with some pretty interesting conversation. I have, to, I have to steer clear of certain subjects. But it's an opportunity to build relationship with people. We're in for the long haul. We've lived in, lived in our road now over 30 years. You know, it's not about this week or next week. It's about however long you're going to be there. Uh, but I think flexibility and spontaneity is important as well. So often it's about our timetable, our agendas. And I know we're all busy etc but you've got to work to their timetable when are they available can we rearrange things so that we can do something that suits their time because you're much more likely to get them to come along when it's convenient to them rather than when it's convenient to you and so often several times we just found out that people around we've organized a drinks evening at very short notice like two days and we had something like 10 people turn up you know it's extraordinary it doesn't have to be planned months in advance but above all what i want to say is that we do it because Jesus commanded us to. He commanded us to love our neighbours, not with the expectation of a response or return invite, no. but just because we're commanded to do it. We live in hope that it will make a difference. We've lived in a house for over 30 years, as I said, but there are still some houses in our street that we have never, ever been inside. And that's how it'll probably stay. But we do it because we're commanded to do. We pray that our neighbourliness will demonstrate God's love and lead to change lives. 
I would finally say, if you really want to get stuck in, you have to marry somebody who's outgoing, full of energy, <laughs> loves people, and knows everybody within a five-mile radius. Thanks so much, David. And it's real nuggets in there, isn't it? They're, these are people who live it, and we need to glean off one another. When we identify stuff that we can learn, let's get alongside people. You know, if you if you think I'd love to do it, but I just don't know how. I've got some ideas. Ask them. Give them. Say, look. Tell us how do you get started. Well, we've got stuff there, haven't we? Pray. Be spontaneous. Be ready. Listen. Take an interest. Really, really helpful stuff. Fantastic. So I just want to. In closing, I want to encourage you, let's, let's seek to love our neighbours wherever we go, in whatever context. Yes, in the workplace, in the church, in the family, on social media, but also definitely for the people who live in next door to us, living across the road. Let's grab the opportunities to bless, begin with prayer, listen, eat together, serve, and then be ready to share the good news. Let's spur each other on, let's tell stories. You know, in groups, let's be ready to share. So, yeah, I had this opportunity this week, and I actually took it. Or I had this opportunity, and I failed to. That's okay. Let's recognize that. Let's, let's hold each other accountable. Galatians 6, 9 to 10 says this. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. You just don't know the impact you're having. You just don't know. A few months ago, some of our neighbours moved to another town. And um, over the years, we kind of... I don't feel we did, a, did masses. We just kind of would wave to them as we passed in the street. We'd smile. We'd exchange small talk. Tried to support their business. They, they ran a, a ceramics painting shop for a while around the corner. And, and they came to one of our open house events. But we didn't particularly, there wasn't a massive closeness. And yet the day before they moved, they popped round to say, thank you so much for being such good neighbours. And that they were going to really miss us. You just don't know. You just don't know. So let's keep pressing on. Let's love God and love people wherever we go.